explorers and uh, renegades out there. Welcome to another episode of the Alchemy Experience podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Lemke. Most often when we think of the concept of discipline, we think of someone exerting discipline or having discipline over someone else. Uh, I think from the perspective that we have a choice whether we allow someone to uh, dictate or command that what we do uh, really hasn't anything to do with the discipline it's all about our individual choices and uh, discipline has more to do with our individuality and how we proceed to uh, practice our own processes and uh, how to evolve and grow as human beings and it requires discipline to uh, actually go through those uh, practices on a daily basis and most of you probably turn around and say well that's self-discipline but as i mentioned i feel that you know exerting discipline over someone else or having discipline over someone else is not really discipline it's just a choice that an individual makes to uh, uh, agree to follow someone else's lead if you want to call self-discipline or discipline that's entirely up to you but for the purpose of today's discussion we are referring to it as discipline and we're going to look at uh, different forms of discipline what it's made up of how it's uh, uh, created within ourselves and how we use it to uh, uh, reach the growth and the goals that we uh, desire so here we go. Enjoy. Spirituality is man's attempt to shed ties with various impulses promoting self-destruction. And this comes from uh, Patricio Talman uh, Cincocolo. Uh, so discipline, as many of you may know, uh, requires habituated practice. Uh, bit of a catch-22 there is that habitual practice requires discipline, discipline. Um, so oftentimes when we are, when we find ourselves, quote unquote, asleep at the wheel of life, when we're trucking along uh, in life, um, we, we don't find it within ourselves to make the changes that we don't even know that we want. Uh, because we don't realize we want them or we don't we we can't see the changes we want to enact uh, in our life because they are clouded from us or uh, we are just in a fog uh, going about our business uh, going about our routine uh, so we get lost in our uh, pursuit of coping mechanisms such as you know, going out partying, socializing, uh, Netflix, uh, you know, for those who get up to that, drugs, alcohol, nicotine, you know, smoking, whatever coping mechanisms we have that can that help us uh, hide ourselves from ourselves. Um, that is kind of where we end up when we are um, or it could be eating or any of those coping mechanisms. So now one day we might wake up and we say, you know what? This is not working for me anymore. I need change. I need, I, yeah, this is not, 
the life I want to live. This is not the life I envisioned. Um, and then we start to look for change. Or we start asking ourselves, what do I need to make a change? Now, as many of you may have heard me say before, that when you ask yourself a question, you are compelled to give yourself an answer. And that's not you sitting down thinking about it. It's uh, your inner wisdom, whether that be intuition, guidance, whatever it is, that provides you an answer if you're open to receive the answer and open to hearing it, um, which is oftentimes a challenge as well when we start out on that path. Um, so what is required when we start going down that process of making changes is that discipline because yes we can make a decision to make a, a change in a split second in a moment but then to sustain that that required uh, requires discipline because we are stuck in our habits we're stuck in our patterns and uh, in order to get out of those patterns we need discipline and that discipline will then allow us to continuously, day to day, uh, go through our practice of whatever change we want to uh, go through, right? So when I sat down and thought or meditated on discipline, uh, I came up with four things that underpin discipline. Uh, and that is motivation willpower, passion, and goals. Uh, and the goals are both audacious ones, uh, an audacious one, or it could be many, uh, and uh, kind of chunks of those uh, uh, goals leading up to those goals. Uh, so the, now, when we look at willpower, for example, willpower alone, it's like sugar. So we, we can force through change in our life. And oftentimes it, it might start with willpower uh, when we make that shift. But if we sit down, for example, I'm going to use uh, to quit smoking as one of uh, <clears throat> the examples throughout this, because uh, I think a lot of people can relate to it. And if you can't, then you just apply it with whatever coping mechanism you, you, <laughs> you struggle with, uh, whether it be sugar, Netflix, whatever it is. Um, but that if you, and I've tried this minutes, uh, before I actually managed to quit, smoke, uh, quit smoking, I tried willpower alone. And uh, you can only do it for so long um, until you kind of, run out of that willpower and, and then then there's nothing stopping you from going back to your old habits so willpower is i kind of compare uh, when you do try to employ discipline with willpower alone it's like sugar it works for a little while but then you have to take the consequences of uh of pushing yourself with willpower and we often see this as well when people uh, go in uh, kind of uh, end up uh, burnt out or something like that because they push themselves through in situations that you know they 
neither have the passion, motivation, or uh, you know, interest in uh, staying in. So you know, doing work that is no longer, you know, there's no goal with it. There's no motivation, no passion for it. They're just pushing it through because a, it's quote unquote a good job, right? It's uh, what they are supposed to do. What they should do is to stay with that good job and bring in whatever income they get from it. And um, that's how we get burnout because you push yourself through, through willpower. And that becomes the consequence. The same thing if you, you know, try to run a marathon on uh, a bag of sugar uh, you will crash and you'll probably uh, hurt yourself quite quite severely. Um, so even though willpower is an important element, using discipline purely by, uh, by willpower is a poor idea. So it is, however, it is the primer that gets you moving when the mind has shifted. So when we look at, again, the example of quitting smoking, once you shift your mindset from, I don't want to quit smoking to, I want to quit smoking, it is what gets you started. So we need the willpower in order to kind of, it becomes the ignition or the start engine for, for the process of the, uh, the practice. Now, willpower is also, uh, it is a desire to experience something else while we are entrenched in our old pattern. So I'm continuing to, uh, continuing to smoke, uh, but it is that, that, that thing within my mind that says, I want to quit smoking. That is your willpower. It's, I want to quit eating sugar. I want to, I want to, Instead of sitting watching Netflix, I want to watch uh, educational videos, right? It is that push through that will get you through. So it's, uh, um, it is very essential for that process of uh, uh, kind of establishing discipline for yourselves. Uh, it doesn't uh, require energy and strength. So for a lot of people, that may have experienced uh, depression, for example, or even clinical depression. Um, to get out of that, it requires a lot of energy and strength. And the willpower can be a place where you gather that strength. Once, so you, you, shift, you wake up one morning, you go, this doesn't work any longer. I gotta make a change then it's your willpower that gets you the first step onto uh, making that change. Um, so, you know, so the example here is that, you know, we, we visualize what we want to experience uh, and is what we're experiencing currently, is that going to get us there, right? And if not, is the desire to get there strong enough to change, to make the change within yourself? However, yes, then you will make the shift through the willpower. 
So look at where you're at and the path that you're on. So in the case of simple case of the smoker, I'm on, I keep smoking my 20, 20 cigarettes a day. It, is this path going to make me a non-smoker? No, it's not. <laughs> then uh, is, my, uh, is my desire to change strong enough? Then I can uh, make that change. But then where I need to find that willpower to make that change. However, as we sa I said before, willpower alone will not do it. So there's a question here. How does one discern when determination willpower is no longer healthy? Um, it, I would say if, if you move with willpower into a practice, so say you move in, you quit smoking, you crumble up your last pack of cigarettes, you throw it away, and you go through the first couple of uh, days with uh, that, you know, the uh, feeling the stress and all of that, quitting smoking, and realize that you don't understand why you're quitting smoking. You really don't want to quit smoking. And you don't really, yeah, you, you have no motivation for it. Then that's when, and you, you still, you keep going, right? That's when you have to look at yourself. Okay, where's my motivation? What is my passion for it? And what is the goal? So if you don't have those three, uh, those four elements, including the willpower, uh, then your discipline is going to lack the fuel to be sustainable. Okay, let's move on to motivation. Now, motivation is, as uh, Leticia wrote there, <clears throat> uh, you know, willpower's determination, motivation. They, they are sim there are similarities, but I kind of define motivation in this context as the big picture version of willpower. It's where the big what. What is it that you have the goal there, but also what is the, you know, what is it that I'm doing this for? So quitting smoking because I want to see my grandkids grow, uh, grow up, you know. That's a good motivation. Um, but that is the what. So what am I doing this for? That's your motivation. <clears throat> now the motivation can be intrinsic, it can be extrinsic. Um, and if you can create a combination of both, then uh, you have a better recipe. So I want to make sure I don't get lung cancer because I want to see my kids grow old. That's a perfectly reasonable motivation. Now, the motivation it will be strong enough when it's uh, and it fuels the willpower. So it, they two work together because if you have strong willpower, then you will that will kind of turbo boost the discipline as well. And often you can all look at when we're making changes in terms of 
psychological habits we have because uh, they can be more challenging than external fiscal habits. Uh, you know, if you have limiting belief that uh, you know, money is evil and you want to change that, then sitting down with a piece of paper and drawing out a strategy and starting out with what's my motivation for that? And what are the pros and cons? You know, is it, why do I feel that money is evil? Is money in fact evil? Uh, what you know? What is it that money brings that can that is uh, actually isn't evil? So really examining what are my motivations for doing this, so that because at the end of this exercise you will be able to uh, kind of fall back on on any of these uh, motivations, passions, goals, and the willpower uh, during uh, when you end up in chaotic situations. And you can just fall back on it and know that, okay, this is what I'm doing, and continue. So you, you won't waver because you can always fall back on it. Uh, we're creating tools here to um, give you resources that, you know, it's all good and well when you're sitting down and sit in meditation and it's all quiet and nice around you and your mind is still, then it's everything is easy, right? That's when we go out in the, the real life and kids are screaming and, you know, car, cars are honking and you're stressed out, you got to get to work, we got to drop the kids off at school first and that's when we need these tools and resources to fall back on and go, ah, this is why I'm doing this, right? So when we look, um, again, motivation, then, <clears throat> uh, yes, motivation is sustainable, uh, which is another difference from uh, the willpower. But if you have both, then willpower is obviously sustainable as well. But you have to have both. You have to have one with the other. Um, and is motivation is this, it gives you the full visceral perception of what is the purpose of you doing something. Uh, as willpower is just, yeah, stubbornness, or it's just uh, pushing through and it doesn't really have to have any purpose to it. It's just that you want it, and but there has, doesn't have to be a reason to it. Motivation gives you that bigger picture, gives the long-term view, uh, it gives a more visceral um, kind of picture or uh, environment to it. Now, passion is the why. So when we talk about, uh, and you'll recognize some of the terminologies here from when we're talking about uh, law of attraction, um, I always say don't uh, focus on the uh, what and why and don't worry about the how. Uh, so when we are working with uh, discipline, we're doing the same thing. We're looking at the what's and the why's and passion is the why. So passion or the, it is how does it feel? Or how will it feel? So when you sit down and you, you're building up your practice for whatever you're doing, how will it feel when I am no longer a smoker? I will feel cleaner. I will feel not so much out of breath. I will feel healthier. I will 
feel uh, joyful, freedom, all of these things. So bring that feeling into how am I going to feel when I am there? Or you can even, you know, how am I going to feel at these different stages on my path to the ultimate, uh, ultimate uh, outcome? For a lot of us, it can be tricky to evoke that feeling of that passion to create um, to create the discipline. Uh, so really look at you know if it's self-generated, you may have one day you may have just had a th thought or uh, something come into your mind. So you may have sat down or just been sitting there and suddenly you get this feeling coming over you. And it's relating to something that you, you want to do or something that you uh, want to change. Now that's, you know, a self-generated feeling. And then it's your job to maintain that feeling, to hold that feeling uh, within yourself because that's going to become the fuel for, part of the fuel for your discipline. Now, if you don't have that, you're just sitting there thinking, hmm, I wanna quit smoking. Okay, well, then can you bring about the memory before you started smoking? How the, the feel, how does it feel not to smoke? And just play around with that or, you know, how would it feel if, if I had money and uh, I, I didn't think that money was evil? How would it feel? What kind of, uh, what would that allow me to do? What good would that allow me to do? And what, when I do that good, how does that make me feel? So look at the outcome that you're looking for. How is that going to make you feel? And so it's self-generated or you bring it in, you kind of evoke it by looking at previous experiences um, or connected experiences. So now passion is the clarity of motivation and it, uh, or rather the clarity of the motivation determines the strength of the passion. So the clearer you can perceive the motivation, the what, the stronger the passion uh, you can, uh, the passion can become. So it becomes, so if you can paint up, not necessarily a picture perhaps, well, yeah, a picture of the motivation. So in this case, the, the children or the grandchildren uh, graduating college, perhaps, and seeing yourself in the audience with the joy and pride as the your grandchild walking up on stage, and you know the more. And I know not everybody is visual. Not everybody is going to be able to see that kind of in their mind's eye. So that's why I'm saying perceive it. So whether you perceive it you know, in your body, or you can hear it, or however it comes to you, allow that to evoke the 
emotions within it, but the better how um, with the more with more details that you can perceive that, the more uh, this passion or this feeling is going to be able to uh, build up within you. And again, it, it all links together with the you know the motivation and the uh, willpower and the uh, goals. So when you're sitting there in a chaotic, chaotic situation, you'll be able to just quickly go back into that and bring that feeling or those emotions into your body. And that then becomes the full, uh, part of the fuel to help sustain you in your discipline. Go ahead, please do. But there is a question because you still have another, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes to go. So maybe that's already on your script and I would just pop up with something. Which please you do. Sorry. Yes, please do. Please do. Well, what what I think, I mean, your 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 sample with uh, quitting smoking, and it's, I mean, I I personally would say also screen yourself where where you are right now. You know, like understand why you take a smoke. You know, is this a stressful situation? Is this a joyful? You know, it's just the moment or also pay more attention how it really feels in your hands how it smells you know the aftertaste and um going more into the sensual part that you really understand yourself why you're doing this yeah at, at, at the state of of the moment um and then i would have something else but i think i'm pretty sure that you come up with something else too What's, well please go ahead diana uh, don't hold back um, I mean, when you say that you have this vision and this goal to say, I want to quit smoking, yeah, this can happen within a month, it can also happen, it, it, it takes you a year, you know, so that's, mm -hmm. that's, that's what we never know. But then to break down the, the goal and the vision, as you described it, um, it's maybe nice to step it down in small achievements that you can validate and that you can... Um, celebrate also you know so don't be too harsh on yourself and say okay i really try this um what, what would be a small step i'm already happy yeah because we we always have this big vision you know like i want to quit but it's a huge thing if you have done this since 10 20 years it takes you for i mean that's not easy yeah it's a habit and you have to break you have to to break the chain yeah Absolutely. so this needs to be really so but when you're also nice and to validate and celebrate us for the small steps yeah absolutely, absolutely. that could be that could be a key well, and i appreciate that no absolutely and uh, that segues very nicely into uh, the the next uh, fourth part of this which is uh, goals so i appreciate that thank you very much diana um and yeah that there is exactly it so when you have kind of figured out the motivation the passion and how you're going to tap into that willpower um, then you look at the goals for uh, what, what what is the so you have uh, i typically try to have an audacious goal so in this case it would be Quit smoking. What what is the measurable um, success matrix for quitting smoking? Well, a it's you know not smoking. 
uh, it's it's a gradual or it's a um, is it one day is it two days it's it's 10 years what what is the success factor right so perhaps you say well i want to not be a smoker for 10 years but then as diana points out you break that down into smaller segments so you take it one day at a time right and you you celebrate that and you bring that into your motivation oh, I haven't smoked for two weeks. Why would I start now? Right? I've been so good for two weeks. If I break it now, that's, then I've wasted those two weeks. So you bring that into your, your passion and motivation. And uh, as Diana says, you, you celebrate every step on the way. But if you set up those goals beforehand as well, then, that you, then you can use that as uh benchmarks say okay i'm not going to smoke today so when you come to the end of the day you say i've done really well today i haven't smoked today let's make it two days right so now set up another day um so yeah it's really about setting up that big overarching goal um you know when it comes to uh example i used before about you know, perhaps you have the perception that money is evil. Well, perhaps you want to increase your salary or you want to increase your income or your, your wealth. Um, and you say, I want to have a million dollars in my bank account or in my retirement account. All right. Well, then uh, perhaps you need to change your perception about what money means. Right. Uh, but. You're not going to make those that million dollars overnight. So set realistic goals for yourself on the way there. So say, you know, in the next month, I would like to find an additional $500 or pounds or euros. And that is something that might be achievable to you. Perhaps $50 is achievable. Whatever is within your own purview as believable and achievable so when it comes to quits quit uh, sugar for example it might be that you know if you eat you know a cookie every or three cookies every day perhaps you your goal is to bring it down to one cookie a day and once you've done that then perhaps it's having one cookie a week you know so Bring it into whatever goals you're going to set. Bring it into a perspective that you can manage and you can believe in. Because we know that, and we're just come, coming past the January here, so we know that uh, uh, these uh, New Year resolutions, uh, I think it's by, what is it, by January 21st, I think it is, that 70% of all New Year resolutions have been broken already because they're too big. They're simply not achievable. Well, they are achievable, but people do it on willpower alone. And they're too big. So there's, there's not, you can't bring the passion into it because you can't believe it. And the motivation is not, you, your motivation gets trampled because it becomes too hard 
it becomes almost uh, overwhelming. So you're you're throwing yourself out on. It's like having someone who can't swim and you catapult them into the ocean. Uh, you know, a thousand meters out, expecting them to swim back to to shore. But if you throw them out with a rope around their uh, uh, their, their chest, uh, then perhaps they have a better chance because you can pull them in, right? So it's it's exactly that to be manageable and break it down into the chunks that you can deal with, because then what you do is you also uh, build up your discipline. If you build up the practice, then once you're in that practice, you establish new patterns. And this is what discipline is really about, is to establish new patterns. Because what happens is that when we, when we have these coping mechanisms, we, they come out of, well, coping mechanisms in general come out of us trying to cover up some sort of pain or hurt that we don't want to experience. So in order to change those patterns, A, we need to, and that's not within today's talk about discipline, but we need to heal whatever is hurting uh, and allow that pain to reveal itself. Once we've done that, then the coping mechanism is easy to deal with if we can apply the dis discipline. So for example, in my own experience, when I quit smoking, uh, once I dealt with the stuff that was uh, healed, what needed to be healed, that caused me, or kind of was my coping mechanism, uh, my hurt that I covered up my, with my coping mechanism of smoking, then the stop smoking was easy because I had no motivation to keep on smoking. There was no reason for me to keep on smoking. Um, now, the reason I didn't pick up smoking again when there were other things that appeared was because I brought discipline into it. So it, we, we have, it, you know, it all comes together, but it is the, the progress of we need to have that progress uh, happen gradually. It's not taking leaps. It's like climbing up a ladder where you only have one rung on the ladder at the top. Uh, you're not going to get to the top. You have to have steps along the way. Okay, so Leticia uh, again says she has the motivation, passion and goals to complete her thesis, but still gets stuck in the cycle of self-sabotage when it comes to commitment to myself. I don't have a problem when it's a commitment to others. Yes, we'll uh, look at that as well. Uh, and that's the uh, part of the self-discipline. Um, well, then you have to question yourself, are you... Are you looking at, well, there might be other things going on. There could be perfectionism. There could be uh, the, um, just, uh, what's it called? Uh, procrastination. Or could it be that you're feeling overwhelmed by the whole process? What? So uh, looking in to, why you're not able to uh, complete the thesis um, 
and perhaps just breaking it out down into smaller sections. So for example, I'm doing my coursework for my hypnotherapy course and I'm equally, <laughs> I have the, the same challenges. So what I do is that I, when I'm writing a, a, an essay, for example, I say, okay, I'm going to write uh, 200 words uh, during this period on this day. Now, like Eric Edmies says, if you make a promise to yourself, make sure you keep that promise. But make promises that you can keep. Don't make promises you can't keep. Right? So, looking at, in this case, your motivation to finish the whole thesis can absolutely be there. The passion can... Do you have the passion for it? Well, there's probably something missing in the passion because if you had that passion within it, then you'd be dying to get on with that thesis, right? And the goal can very well be there. So perhaps just sitting down and say, how will it feel when I'm done with this, uh, with this thesis? How will it feel? When I'm and really like visualize yourself handing it in. Don't even worry about what, whatever grades are going to come back, but just visualize handing it in and generate that feeling within yourself. And that then becomes part of the, uh, the mix. And then just, you know, the goal is completing your thesis, break it down into smaller goals. Your next goal is to complete, a, you know, a chapter or a heading or to complete the research on something or whatever. I think the missing link in all of this is the fact that why are you reaching for the cigarette? Why are you reaching for the drugs? Why are you reaching for the alcohol? What you're reaching for is love and connection that you're not getting. That's exactly what you're reaching for. So you can talk about willpower and discipline all you want, but the bottom line is the fact that if you are not getting love, and you're not getting connection, then ultimately that is why you're reaching for the cookie or the whatever else. It's like what Marissa Peer talks about. When, we're, when you're a baby, what do you get? You get mommy's milk. So that's why a lot of people go and they eat ice cream because ice cream is creamy and it's sweet and something that comforts. So ultimately most of the things we're reaching for, we're trying to soothe a, a wound or a place of where we're not getting what we need. And so as a result, that's the most difficult part. And so therefore it's like, I, I mean, I, I can quit certain things for a certain amount of time, but then ultimately it's like, you know, I mean, that's the part about when you build wealth, you build wealth and you build these beautiful things and you have all these beautiful things around you, but then you realize that they're just things because you don't have the love and connection that you're, that you're craving and that you're wanting. And that's the big thing, especially with the pandemic is that so many people have been alone and by themselves, you have, I mean, in the UK, they have the ministry of loneliness that they had to develop for the government because there's so many people living by themselves who have nobody. And literally we have suicide that's gone up Drinking has gotten out of control. In the United States, marijuana consumption has been absolutely insane. It's like 500%. And then there was something yesterday that came out in the, um, the, the life insurance companies in the United States just said, in the last year, death rates went up 40% in the population. Death rates of people 18 to 64. And it wasn't about COVID. 
So what is going on specifically? They don't know. Those were the life insurance companies. That's their whole thing is where they're looking at the analytics people because they have to pay out on policies. But 40%, they said if 10% had been increased, that would have been a cataclysmic atrocity that had happened within two decades or a century. 40% over a year's time of increase in deaths. That is insane. So that's the part two of where it's like, that's why I'm grateful for things like Zoom and the opportunity where we can connect in these virtual spaces because a lot of us are feeling that of where we don't have what it is. And the habits that we have, they're the things that keep us almost like where we don't lose it. So for a lot of people, they reach for the cigarette or they reach for the alcohol, they reach for whatever because they're trying to soothe a need that they're not able to take care of. And I think that's the part about where we really saw when everybody went on lockdown, how much we actually need people. So I think that's the part about where that's the missing link in the sense of where I can be disciplined all I want. I'm a very, very disciplined person, but if I don't have love and I don't have connection, I'm going to reach for something external outside of myself because unfortunately I I can practice all the self-love that I want, but ultimately what I'm craving is love and connection. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that becomes part of the motivation. Um, And you absolutely uh, change you know when we when we are looking for change and require that discipline that change is from that perspective so if it is quitting smoking then part of that change process is to establish why am i doing this in the first place uh, and that becomes part of your motivation to uh, move forward and that change in itself then will fuel part of that discipline but yeah uh, if you uh, you know if you're craving love connection and physical connection and you're not getting that um, you know like many of us been sitting in lockdown um, it is very chain uh, challenging to change that when you are prevented from making that change so absolutely, I'm not saying that any of these are, you know, uh, any of these things are uh, kind of general recipes or remedies for everything, but they are tools that you can apply. And then obviously the, the, uh, the kind of source or the core wounding uh, aspect of it uh, needs to be healed as well. And that's part of the process, of course. Hi there. Hi. Hey, I, just, I, I appreciate this, this type of discussion first off, you know? Yeah. Uh, Thanks. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm new to this, this whole uh, ecosystem online. So, and it bring, that actually kind of brings me to my first point about discipline and motivation is like putting yourself in the right environment. Mm-hmm. You know, just the fact that we're here talking about this right now is, is a good thing, you know, because we're surrounding ourselves with like-minded people, you know, who have similarly oriented goals. Uh, I think another thing that's important is like when you find yourself in the midst of trying to do a change, you know, breaking it down into micro steps or micro goals. I just like putting that word micro there because it makes, let's remind you that, you know, it's, it's, it's the small things. It's the, it's the, it's just one step at a time. And I think uh, uh, the last kind of word that, that came to my mind was adaptability. Mm-hmm. 
I think that's very important in, in many different things that you try to do, but in terms of, yeah, like discipline and motivation, you, you got to be adaptable. Well, absolutely. And I, I think if you're stuck in your ways, then uh, you can have discipline to be stuck in your ways. Right. So discipline as a, as a function is, um, is a standalone uh, kind of uh, function, but uh, absolutely having a, uh, or being flexible when you are looking to change is absolutely uh, uh, critical uh, in order to exercise discipline. And, and uh, like uh, Diana was saying before, not to be too hard on yourself. You know, if you falter, or you have you stumble as a word, then just say you are doing. I'm doing my best, and then just get up, start over, and say, okay, well, let's see how we can apply this again, and not just go, well, I failed, I stumbled, so I must have failed the whole thing, right? Uh, that's certainly not the case. Uh, doesn't have to be anyway. Right, so let's look at why we need discipline. I think we've kind of talked about that for quite a bit as well, you know. It, but when we look at the uh, kind of bigger picture of it, it is really there to help us get through discomfort because it gives us a purpose, it gives us a reason, it gives us the fuel, it gives us all of those things when, uh, you know, what they say when, when, uh, when there's a crisis, we, uh, people fall, uh, kind of fall to their lowest level of uh, preparedness. So when we, when we have created this platform of uh, understanding why we're doing something and what we're doing it for and what the goal is, when we come up against trouble or we come up against challenges, we'll immediately be able to go back to that and bring that back into mind, bring that into focus. And that then uh, helps to drive us forward. That becomes our discipline. Uh, the discipline is to continue going. Um, so when we're sitting there and for example, if we're like Barbie was saying, you know, we are looking into these aspects of ourselves that we uh, we are looking to heal in order to move forward, perhaps uh, removing this block of uh, uh, money is evil. Why do I believe that? Well, perhaps there's a core wounding in my, in my childhood that I need to look into. And sitting with that and experience lifting the lid off of that and allowing those emotions to come up, um, there's a reason we covered them up because they were very uh, painful to deal with to begin with. So now we're sitting there with allowing these emotions to come through us and allowing ourselves to experience them. That is discomfort. You know, pain is inevitable, uh, but the suffering is optional, right? So the pain is always going to be there the, or the possibility for pain, the risk of pain or the chance of pain depending on how you look at it. Um, so when we're sitting there and it's painful and you say, why am I doing this? You bring that up to mind 
and you know this is why I'm doing it. When you're sitting there with your cravings going through the roof for sugar or cigarettes or alcohol, whatever it is, you ask yourself, oh, why am I doing this? I'm torturing myself. I'm, oh, I'm going through all this pain. And you bring that back, back to mind. You bring that back into focus. This is the, the what, the why, and the goal. And your goal right now is to just get it. At that time, is to just get through the pain and just sit with it. And that will then fuel you to get through that. Because pain doesn't last forever. We end up in situations where we have the practice and we, we, we think, and I wrote down, break past the illusionary stages of wisdom. And with that, I mean that we get to a stage where we go, oh, I'm, I'm fixed. I'm sorted, so I can stop now. And it's having the disciplines to break th through that and continue with the practice, uh, even though the, the illusion is that we have fixed the problem. So, you know, I quit smoking at one point and I uh, stopped for two years. And after two years, I was like, Oh, I'm smoke-free now. I'm nicotine-free. I'm free of the addiction. I can probably have a cigarette once in a while. Yeah, that didn't work out. <laughs> so that was the illusion of my wisdom. The illusion was that I, I had rid myself of the uh, addiction. Well, I hadn't fixed the foundation or the the problem to begin with. Uh, so when I had that first cigarette, I was right back into it. Right. So when uh, it was only when I actually fixed the, the problem that I was trying to cover up to begin with that I then could move past, uh, past it. But, you know, it's still, I'm still working on myself. It's still, I'm, I still have the discipline to continue working on myself because I, I don't believe in, I, I don't, fall into that trap anymore of having the illusion that I am fixed, that I'm sorted, I am healed. Because there's always another aspect that I need to look into. And I think if you end up in that illusion, oftentimes you, you kind of mask over, you end up in a bit of a spiritual bypass and you mask over whatever you're trying to hide, kind of hide from. When you have discipline, it puts you in control. When you've put yourself in control, then a lot of other things in life start just happening for you. And you start, when you realize that you are in so when you have that discipline, and discipline is also applicable to all the other things. So we can't control anything outside of ourselves. And you guys have heard me say this many times before as well that you know, the only things you can control are your thoughts, your words, your actions, but it requires discipline to actually control those things. So if you have applied that discipline and if you have that discipline in place, then you can be in control. And it controls, it allows you to uh, be in control of how you experience things as well. So as I said before, the adage or the, the saying, you know, 
pain is inevitable, uh, suffering is an option, um, is really about the suffering is, the pain is inevitable, but suffering is a perception of how you look at your pain. So the dis discipline of your practice will then allow you to change your perception of that pain. So as you can see, again, everything is linked in together. Um, it allows you to keep focus because you bring all these things together, your motivation, your uh, passion, your goals, bring it all together and you keep bringing that into focus. Well, then you become focused. You become focused of where you want to go. And that then, uh, you know, I, when I work with my clients in, in uh, coaching or in mentoring, what we do is we set that big audacious goal in life. So my audacious goal in life is to empower uh, humanity to prioritize purpose, right? Now, am I going to achieve that goal tomorrow? No, probably not. But when I talk to my children, I think, how can I empower them to uh, prioritize purpose? Well, so I talk about what they are passionate about. What do they think their purpose in life is? That becomes part of my uh, audacious goal, raising my children to be, you know, empowered in their own purposes, right? That, that feeds that bigger audacious goal. So that's the same thing here. You have these, uh, you know, section goals, if you like, but make them big enough and then break them down into smaller sex, uh, segments to make the, sure they all feed into the overall uh, overarching purpose in life, which is your audacious goal, whether that is to solve world hunger or to create world peace or if whatever your overarching purpose is, allow everything that you do to feed into that so it brings that focus into play. So having that discipline brings in focus. Um, and as I said, said before, it creates an anchor for you to drop back on. Right. So when we are interrupting these patterns, because we have all these patterns from our childhood, from our uh, you know earlier years, whatever that it, that we're looking to interrupt, it becomes the anchor that we hang on to or we fall back on. So in hypnosis, we, we do talk about uh, pattern interrupt. Um, and it's really about making your conscious mind realize that your subconscious has pattern it runs. So oftentimes when we in therapy what we do is that i'll tell someone to go home and you know when they get dressed they focus on how they get dressed and they get dressed in a different way so if you normally start out with putting your trousers on start with putting your socks on so change the patterns uh, like when you're brushing your teeth or when you when you make breakfast in the morning perhaps 
make the uh, toast the sandwich before you put on the pot of coffee. Break the patterns. So practice that throughout your uh, different aspects in your life and bring discipline into just allowing yourself to realizing the different patterns you have in your life. That will then help your conscious mind to realize, oh, there are the patterns that go on, on here. What, what else can I discover? Right? So just try to identify those uh, patterns in your life is really important. Um, and then creating an anchor uh, is, you know, you could create a physical anchor, which is like clenching your fist or something like that. So when you, and you can, it's quite easy to do that, actually. When you sit down and you have created your, say you want to make a change, right? So you sit down and you figure out what's my motivation, what's my passion, what's the, uh, uh, the goal. And then you sit there and you just bring those into yourself and you, you bring them into your hand or create a physical thing that you want to uh, kind of associate with it. So you, perhaps you visualize them or perceive them in your hand and you just squeeze your hand as hard as you can, right? And you just visualize those uh, three things in there. You just squeeze it as hard as you can. Now, every time when you squeeze your hand really hard, your mind is going to think of those three things. That becomes your anchor. So when you're writing that thesis, Leticia, and you're going like, oh, I wonder what's happening on Facebook, you squeeze your hand really hard. And you go, oh, yes, that's right. I have my thesis to do, right? That's an anchor. But that also then helps you to interrupt those patterns because patterns are subconscious. We, we're not oftentimes not even aware of them. So we want to break the patterns and to uh, uh, create those anchors. Now we're almost coming up on the hour. I hope you uh, will allow me to go past it a bit because um, I wanted to talk about external discipline and also talk a little bit about group discipline. Um, so external discipline is, of course, you know, in the military, for example, we talk about, you know, your troops being disciplined or, you know, you have an authority person or in the family, you have a parental person exerting discipline over someone else, right? So, so it's oftentimes when we impose discipline, we are doing so with our force, uh, willpower, with our force, right? We discussed that before. That doesn't hold up for very long, right? So we want to evoke discipline as opposed to, inf uh, to impose it. So when we want to externalize discipline with our children, with our employees, whatever it may be, that we look at, okay, what? how can I create these, uh, how can I allow my children to understand the goal for this, uh, for this purpose or the, this practice? 
what the motivation is, and how can I get them to be passionate about it? Uh, for a child making their bed, they're going to say, why do I have to make my bed? And so we want to look at, okay, well, show them perhaps that, you know, having a nice tidy room is actually more pleasant than a, you know, messy room. They may not agree with you immediately, but over time they might. Now, will the, the, uh, the energy they have to exert in keeping it tidy, is that going to be enough for them to have the discipline? Perhaps not, but, you know, over time we can help them in, with encouragement, with rewards and so forth to install these practices. So the motivation here might be that, you know, if you keep your room tidy, I will increase your allowance. That's a goal, it become, becomes a motivator. And for the kid to feel, oh, I'm gonna have, you know, $5 extra in my bank account or in my, in my wallet, they can feel that. That's the passion, right? So creating, an environment where you can evoke that discipline as opposed to impose it. And so that goes into the, the whole idea of uh, the uh, uh, group discipline as well. So if you take an environment, uh, 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 working environment, for example, and uh, this is a uh, uh, topic that Barbie and I've uh, created uh, a concept called Thrival Flow, where we uh, work with team environments to help them uh, work up a group discipline that is actually based uh, on a common uh, discipline as opposed to despairing uh, discipline, where it's, you have a group of people that come together with a varying different uh, levels of discipline, and varying uh, different ideas to why they apply that discipline. So um, when you have that, then the or levels of discipline is going to vary from person to person, but it's also going to vary over time. So what we want to do is to bring those, everybody's uh, goal or the, the bring everybody to towards the same goal because if everybody's working in different directions you know you know peter comes in because he needs the paycheck and uh sue comes in because she is uh, uh hungry for that uh, promotion or so everybody comes in with their own agendas essentially we want to allow everybody to have the same agenda but still satisfying the personal one needs and wants, right? So this is where we create, again, same thing. You create what's the motivation and also looking at, uh, you know, what, what is the uh, kind of the, the uh, hurt or the, the, uh, the what aspects needs to be healed within each individual in order to be able to bring that motivation, that passion, that those goals all into alignment with each other. 
So someone might be having trouble at home, for example. Well, then allow that person to heal, give that person space, coach them. You know, this is about leadership as well. So, you know, self-discipline, but also discipline in group. So that we bring that together to, so that the group then becomes uh, a force that is driving in the same direction as opposed to pulling in different directions. If you pull in different directions, the, the group becomes drawn and quartered. If it pulls in the same direction, it becomes an, uh, you know, an unbeatable force, doesn't it? So it's, I just wanted to introduce that concept a little bit so that you have that, uh, bring that into thinking as well, because if you are able to bring, when you're sitting in your family environment and you have discipline for yourself, but nobody else around you has discipline, it becomes much harder for yourself because you're constantly going to come up against that chaos. So finding ways to work with your family environment to encourage everybody to apply discipline to their own practices, whatever the practices uh, towards, will then help you bring discipline to your own practice or maintain that uh, to your own practice. Christopher? Yes? Thank you so much. I think you've, you've, I feel like I've, I've done a 360 <laughs> with this session. Um, and I just want to thank you for that. Well, thank you, um, Leticia. It's a pleasure. Yeah. You know, I, I, I know all of this cognitively. And we have been shifts and, you know, shift happens very slowly. And I feel like I found another missing piece. So thank you so much. Oh, that's, I'm such a, I'm so grateful, Leticia. Thank you. And uh, it's uh, truly my pleasure to bring that to you. So it's, uh, and I wish you good luck on your thesis as well. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, oftentimes, uh, you know, someone writes here that uh, father was uh, very authoritarian and disciplinarian. Uh, you know, we, a lot of us grow up with the idea that discipline is a bad thing. Right, and it really is a necessity for us to move in the direction that we want to go. You know, if we want change, then we need discipline. Yeah, go ahead, Leticia. The irony is that um, that has made me put so much pressure on myself. Mm -hmm. So I push myself hard all the time. But you know, when you said you need to have others apply the same discipline to themselves. So I'm always wanting to um, protect them from mm -hmm. the discipline because I don't want them to experience what I experienced. Right. So it's that that pool. And, and I think you, you've just shown how one can just integrate it so beautifully. It's, it's, it's self and others. It's not either or. It's, it's managing the polarities between self and others. Well, exactly. And Ooh. if, if you, if, yeah, and I appreciate that input there, Leticia. It's if you, and it's like I said before, if you're imposing discipline, it is by willpower alone. 
and it, the willpower alone is not going to be sustainable. It's going to fizzle out at, eventually. Now, uh, it, if it takes 50 years to fizzle out or whatever it is, it is going to cause some damage. Now, you can transfer that damage in case of, uh, you know, parental figure who's a disciplinarian uh, and infor or imposing their discipline on someone else by yelling, screaming, and so forth, then we'll have the consequence that, you know, in the family unit will then protect their children from uh, discipline and therefore the the children will not have that practice of discipline in their life and you know so it, it perpetuates right so yeah absolutely it's very important thank you Letitia. i appreciate that it's been a delight to speak with you all today and uh, thank you all for bringing uh, your energies and your uh, beautiful wisdom and uh, inquisitiveness and uh, just uh, being open to different way of doing things so thank you very much i wish you all a wonderful day and i'll see you next week so as you can see discipline is about building strategy and it's not a tactical tool as it were you build it over time and uh, when you have built it then uh, it's with you and you can use it to enrich and fulfill your life if you would like help with uh, building discipline in your life and building a strategy for how to implement it and to build practices around it, then uh, please give us a, a call or contact us through our website, thealchemyexperience.co.uk. And let's have a discussion to see if we are the uh, place for you to explore discipline for yourself. So this is it for me today. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I leave you for until next week when we return with a new episode of the alchemy experience podcast until then take care and enjoy bye for now